Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Lincoln Journal Stars Life in the Red podcast. We got the full crew with us again this week Luke Mullen, Amy Just, and Brent Wagner. Uh, had to, of course, bring you back, Brent. Thanks for, for joining up. Uh, huge, huge volleyball match. Of course, we were previewing that uh, last time you were here on the pod, but I think we'll just jump right into it. We were kind of talking about it like it was going to be the game of the century. You kind of made that comparison, and it lived up to it, right? I mean, Nebraska defeating number one Wisconsin 3-2. to two. Uh, Nebraska won the first, fourth, and fifth sets. A lot to get into, so much from this match, of course, but just both of your general thoughts on, wow, they took down Wisconsin. Yeah, I, you know, I as I wrote before um, the match, if there was any Nebraska team to take them down, I felt that this team was properly equipped to do so. Um, though it got a little uh, messy there in the second and third sets, and I'm still kind of surprised at how they managed to pull that one off. Um, it was an incredible match, especially the fourth and fifth sets. Um, just thrilling, thrilling stuff, and. Anybody who watched it uh, came away from that game uh, just mesmerized by how intense uh, how intense it was. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, had a little bit of everything. Nebraska came out, played exceptionally well in the first set. Really key, I think, to win that first set. Uh, had some success against the Badgers' big blockers with some tips and some shots off, tool in the block. Um Badgers come back with 12 blocks in the second set, and it's like, wow, you know, this is this is kind of what we thought Wisconsin was going to be. Uh, they win that set, but Nebraska finds a way to recover, uh, wins the last three points of the uh, fourth set, gets it to fifth, just uh, insane. One of the loudest moments since they've made the move to Devaney there when they win the fourth set. And then uh, Nebraska just plays exceptionally well. Uh, offensively in the fifth set, uh, Ber- or, uh, Harper Murray seven kills on nine attempts. Uh, Bergen Riley sets a great fifth set, and uh, they find a win way to win there. And yeah, just massive, uh, massive moment at the Devaney Sports Center. Yeah, definitely. And just overall, I mean, there was a ton of energy in the building, right? And uh, Bob Devaney Arena record crowd nine thousand one hundred ninety eight. They all got in there. Students lining up for hours to get in. Obviously, I mean, it was a huge match, but did you sense, like, was there any tension among the team? You know, were they, did they come out pretty free? You know, what what was kind of the mentality of the team going into this big match? Yeah, like uh, any five-set match, there's going to be massive ups and downs. Um, Harper, Harper Murray would tell you she didn't play well at times, uh, was hitting into the block too much. But then she comes back in the, in the fifth set and kind of got challenged by John Cook and comes out and has this great set. Uh, several of Nebraska's last kills. Uh, Bergen Riley struggled at times. Great at the finish. Um, anytime you have a five-set match, you know the the stats aren't going to be great, but uh, certainly uh, they're in the fifth set. Nebraska was playing at a really, really high level offensively. Yeah, and in particular that fourth set too. I mean, they were down what? I mean, 
three, four points, you know, as it was kind of stretching on, had to kind of come back, um, you know, string a couple points together in that one. I thought, you know, you mentioned kind of its importance, but I mean, how how much of a sense of togetherness did you see from the team in that moment, just like digging deep, blocking things out and winning that four set, giving them an opportunity in the fifth? Yeah, it, they came on strong. They needed to string a couple of points together, like you said, uh, you know, like happened in the in the second set like if if Wisconsin strung even more together then it was going to be almost insurmountable for them um but it did a lot i think for their confidence um to start feeling it you know they they were figuring out what Wisconsin was being able to do so successfully and figure a way to work around it um they had struggles with that um early in the third when they were trying to go over Wisconsin's block and it was too high and uh, their attacks were just flying long. Um, but yeah, that fourth set was absolutely bananas. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what sense you got there, but to me, it was one of those things where they had all the momentum, you know, going into that fifth set, obviously. Yeah, because Wisconsin had a match point opportunity and Nebraska held it off, forced uh, extra points and ended up winning in a deuce game. And in the previous 10 matches that Nebraska had had against Wisconsin, John Cook said the stat today that Nebraska had won maybe one deuce game in against Wisconsin in the past several years. And then on Saturday, they ended up winning two. They needed it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, too, uh, the struggles against the block, you know, they went to some of those, you know, touch hits to try to get around it. But of course, you know, there were there were a lot of hits that went over, went into it. Um, that's kind of why the hitting percentage was so low in general. But for young player Harper Murray, you know, she was she was the one who missed quite a few swings just because you get so many chances to go against that block. I mean, with the way that she closed that match, what about that mentality to to just keep swinging out of her? Yeah, she was. She played really intelligent down the stretch there. Uh, mixed up her shots uh, earlier. She had some back row attacks that I thought were really key. Um, yeah, she's she's playing very mature uh, for a, for a freshman right now. Yeah, and I don't I don't think you can discuss uh, Harper's contributions to the match without, of course, mentioning Mara Beeson, who led the way with twenty one kills. I mean, she was so consistent over the course of this match and has been all season long. And I mean, this was. This was kind of the match where you need maybe a veteran to step up. She's the most veteran on this team, played against Wisconsin before. It was a, a great match from her too, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's a reason why she was not just the Big Ten Player of the Week, but the National Player of the Week. Um, she has been so good and so consistent all season long. Um, has had some rough patches, but she's just such a great leader for them on the floor and off of it and in the community. Um, I, even though she hasn't been here very long, like I, it's so hard for me to imagine this team without her. Definitely. Yeah. Kind of the, the glue that brings them all together or something like that. But, um, you know, such a impactful match, of course, but the ending was kind of anticlimactic in a way, of course, you know, there was so much drama, right? You know, you go to the review table, um, to check the net violation, but it's a very it's a weird way to to win a match like this. Oh yeah, no question. And it was uh it was Bergen Riley who spotted it, right? Yeah, it's just crazy how they, you know, they play for three hours or whatever. And if 
Carolyn Crawford doesn't get in the net there, then, uh, you know, maybe Wisconsin goes on a run or something like that. So it's just uh, hundreds of plays that uh, go into a volleyball match. Yeah, and it all goes down to just a, a little a little graze of the net there at the end. But, um, you know, the triumph of the moment, obviously, I was I was just watching on TV and you could you could kind of feel the emotion, you know, come through the broadcast. I mean, being there in person, what was the feeling like? Hey, they just knocked off the number one team. I mean, this is a, one of the best wins in program history. Yeah, it it's hard to explain. Um, I don't have the, the institutional knowledge like Brent does, but it just it felt different. Like just watching them, you know, run onto the floor and celebrate with each other. They do that after every win, but like this felt different. And then John Cook celebrating with the student section. He doesn't do it quite like that. Um, it just it felt it felt different. Yeah, Brent, how about you? Yeah, just uh, probably just a big release for everybody. Uh, Wisconsin had beat them ten in a row. Uh, if there's one been one criticism of the Nebraska volleyball program in the last several years, it's they can't beat Wisconsin, and that means you can't contend for uh, Big Ten titles. So uh, certainly a sense of relief for the coaches, uh, for some of the players, the fans, um, you know, who were pretty down there uh, in the second and third sets, and uh, some people, a few people were even leaving there in the fourth set. Uh, but those people that stuck around, they got to have a, a big party there at the end. Yeah, big mistake to anybody who who dipped out early in that one. And like I mentioned, Brent, I mean, not that you're necessarily the arbiter of this, but outside of the national titles, I mean, does this come to mind as the greatest win in regular season program history? Uh, it was just the big magnitude one and two, one and two, which hasn't happened in the the history of this series. Um, I guess we'll know a little bit. Late. The magnitude of it might change a little bit later. Uh, certainly, if it ends up that this allows Nebraska to have a share of the Big Ten title or win the Big Title, Big Ten title would be massive. Um, Penn State, and Nebraska. You know, Penn State and Nebraska was the series before Nebraska and Wisconsin was the series, and and they, they had some epic matches at the. In you call CM, I think they played when Nebraska was number four and Wisconsin was number one, and Nebraska beat them in five. That was a big match. Um, obviously, all the NCAA, a lot of the NCAA tournament matches were massive. Um, Nebraska beating Texas in uh, 2015 in Omaha, and not just beating them, they upset, uh, swept them. You know, I, I still remember people just sitting there in their seats, just stunned that not only they had won the national championship, but they had beaten mighty Texas and swept mighty Texas when they hadn't had a, you know, they hadn't been winning championships at that point for a while. Uh, obviously the, when they played Penn state in the uh, national semifinals in 2017, when Penn state had a, had a chance to win it and Nebraska comes back and win it is memorable, but in this era and for a regular season match, it was certainly one that people will be uh, remembering for a long time. Yeah. Really as good as it gets. And, I think probably the challenge for the volleyball team now is, you know, leave that in, in the past, leave it in the rearview mirror, um, you know, get ahead to some, some other important matches, you know, the rest of their season moving forward. And of course, after this win, uh, Nebraska up to number one in the AVCA poll, uh, Wisconsin now number two, just trading places as you expect the, the number one, number two matchup. And these two teams will play again this season on Black Friday, Nebraska's second to last conference matchup. Uh, that's going to be another good one, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need to 
maybe do some early Black Friday shopping and get a tablet so I can watch that one while uh, we're watching other things on that day. Wish I could be there. But can't be in two places at once. Yep. But obviously that one, as you kind of mentioned, Brent, I mean, that'll that'll go a long way towards the eventual, you know, Big Ten standings could have major, major implications that final match if both these teams, you know, kind of win went out against some of the the matches that they're expected to do so. But um, a lot more to to come this season for Nebraska. And by the way, a couple awards you mentioned. Merritt Beeson was the National Player of the Week. She was also the Big Ten Player of the Week. Uh, third time that's happened for Merritt this season. And Bergen Riley, the setter, uh, third time Freshman of the Week award. Uh, so congrats to those two recognized for their great performances and as well in this match. Uh, 612,000 viewers on Big Ten Network uh, becoming the most watched regular season volleyball broadcast of all time. Beat a, a previous Wisconsin match and, of course, Volleyball Day in Nebraska. Yeah, I um, some other stats on that. That would have been the 18th highest football game this week, and it drew more than Nebraska-Northwestern in football. Don't let anybody tell you that people aren't ready to watch volleyball on TV. Yeah. Two high-level teams like this, it was a, it was a big draw, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And moving forward with the rest of the season for Nebraska volleyball, um, an injury note for them outside hitter Lindsey Krause uh, trying to rehab that ankle injury. Uh, they said today, don't expect it to be season-ending injury, but she's still going to be missing missing some more matches, right? Yeah, she's got a she's got a long road. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, at this point anyway, they're not saying season-ending. So we'll see how that rehab progresses. Again, hopeful that they can maybe get her back later in the year. But for this week, it's Maryland and Rutgers coming to Lincoln. Um, I think, you know, they're they're a little bit further down in the standings. But what do you expect is kind of the focus for for the team this week, these two matches coming up? Oh, they just, you know, they got to continue to respect all their opponents and kind of come off that that high and find a way to uh, continue to close the, you know, change the gap in between them and the other teams. Uh, Maryland has, certainly has some some quality athletes. Uh, Rutgers has, I think they only have one Big Ten win, but it's uh, it beat a ranked team, Minnesota, for the first first ranked win ever. So uh, they'll uh, certainly come in here and play well as as well. Yeah, so trying to keep that uh, that undefeated season going, and of course, there's always plenty of spotlight attention on you when you're number one in the country. So that'll be the challenge for uh, Nebraska volleyball here moving forward. But I think that's. All we've got for our volleyball portion. Thanks for coming on, Brent. Appreciate it as always. You're welcome. All right, now let's move into the second half of our pod today. Of course, we usually like to, to move on to football. We'll get into that here in a second. But first, we want to shout out the Nebraska women's soccer team. Um, won a share of the Big Ten regular season title alongside Michigan State. Uh, first Big Ten title since 2013 for them. A great accomplishment for their ha- I mean, they, they had a great season. And of course, it's a... Uh, a lot of tough competition in the Big Ten. One, I think, all of their home matches, most of them, all but one, maybe. Yeah, they drew um, and during the Big Ten season. They drew against Wisconsin, um, and then in the non-conference, they lost to St. Louis, another mm. really, really good team. Uh, allowed a late go-ahead goal there for the Billikens, but yeah, no, incredible, incredible run. Um, they've won. Um, they won out the last. I mean, five yeah. plus matches. Not a long streak, I yeah. think it. I think they ended the the regular season on a six-match winning streak, which is nuts considering no one else in the Big Ten had strung together more than two 
in the in the last several weeks of the season. Um, yeah, all they needed to do was win out uh, to clinch at least a share. And um, yeah, it was it was crazy. You know, Penn State hadn't lost a match all Big Ten season long, and then Wisconsin ended up you know, upsetting them in Happy Valley and uh, Penn State because of that loss and all of the draws that they had previously on the season. Not even a share for the Nittany Lions. Yeah, there was some some serious drama, some scenarios going on on that final day of action. But yeah, credit to to the entire team. They've scored a lot of goals. Eleanor Dale um, leading the way as that top top goal scorer. 23. Yeah. 23 goals. Um, the program record is 26 or 27. Um, and then, you know, Sarah Weber too, Mm -hmm. Sarah Weber, um, she, uh, is also top 50 in the country with all of her goals scored. And then, uh, Flo, um, has, she's in the top four nationally in assists. So it's not just Eleanor, like it's incredible, like the team aspect that they've had this season. Yeah, when uh, when those goals come, they often come in bunches, and of course, they got several different players who are capable of of getting those in the net. And of course, not not the final action of the the season. Nebraska's number two seed in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, they will host number seven seed Ohio State on Sunday in Lincoln. If they progress, uh, have some neutral neutral site games there to to finish out the tournament. But looking good, um, they'll get into that Big Ten tournament. See how they can do. Um, and of course, starting off here in Lincoln this weekend. So best of luck to them. And on to our football portion, of course. Um, got some news today uh, about some future scheduling details. Um, 2025, Nebraska playing Cincinnati. We knew this was a neutral site game based on your conversation with uh, AD Trev Alberts, I, I believe, uh, a few weeks ago. But we learned today it's going to be played in Indianapolis's Lucas Oil Stadium, pretty close to Cincinnati, but replacing their home game, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is originally a home-and-home series, uh, but with Cincinnati now being in the Big 12 and a bunch of things changing, um, they were working together to find a neutral site. Uh, I was hoping it would be Arrowhead. Didn't quite get that figured out. I was also hoping that maybe it'd be Allegiant, uh, but Trev shut that one down on me (laughs) real hard in our marathon conversation. I don't even know when that was now, but he was like, I can confirm it will not be played in Las Vegas. I'm like, dang it, Trev, you're hurting. Still, you're hurting still, an, NFL, still an NFL stadium. Yeah, and yeah. Lucas Oil uh, is a really great stadium. Uh, I've never actually watched a football game in there. I've been there a lot for the Combine and the, the Big Ten Media Days, but never for a football game, so it should be fun. Yeah, I don't, you know, obviously it's kind of like Indianapolis isn't like the biggest destination you know, for a neutral site game. But I do think somewhat centrally located, like should be a good meeting place for the two schools, uh, should be a pretty good, pretty good setup there. And I mean, they know how to host events, of course, in Indy. So should be very smooth. And now that they've got that planned out there uh, for the 2025 schedule. But want to touch on, of course, Nebraska's 17-9 win over Northwestern. Um, I don't think we need to get too heavily no. into a, a pretty ugly, ugly game. But Worth discussing, um, quarterback Heinrich Harburg, probably his worst passing performance as a starter. Um, the two early interceptions included in that, uh, just eight completions, under completed under 50% of his passes in that game, but did bounce back through that huge touchdown pass to Malachi Coleman, beautifully thrown ball 
uh, but a little bit of inconsistency broke out in this game. Yeah, and you know he'll be the first to admit that he did not play well. Um, you know, there's a lot of things he wants back, uh, but especially early. Um, you know, just coming in those first two drives. You know, we're all kind of scratching our heads, like, what's going on here? Um, but they ended up figuring it out. Um, that touchdown to Malachi Coleman, I think, was his best throw so far. Agreed. Yep. Uh, it, was, it was perfect. Uh, couldn't have asked for any better. Um, it feels like they've practiced that one once or twice or ten times. Uh, but yeah, great, great throw there, which you know, can help give him some com- give him some confidence moving forward. But yeah, lots of things to fix. Yeah, I think I think those first two picks, um, just really trying to throw into some tight windows, which is always going to be a challenge. Um, you know, when when the field is short too in that area. Uh, so I think they're they're still kind of going through that process about decision making. You know, getting through your reads, and of course, I mean he's he's still only started a few games. Uh, that that was something that offensive coordinator Marcus Soderfield kind of made the point today that like. He's a young quarterback. Like they got to go through their lumps, you know, go through these struggles. Um, and Nebraska still got the win, of course, despite those turnovers. A big reason being its defense. Um, lots of pressure from that defensive line. Nash Hotmaker, Ty Robinson, they were in the backfield all game long. And a big reason was a new kind of defensive package that they put in for this game. Uh, five-man defensive line, all defensive linemen. Um, Tony White and Matt Rule both kind of saying this was Great to get five one-on-one matchups, um, let an already solid defensive line, a, a good group of pass rushers, let them go to work. Yeah, it it paid off. Uh, Matt Rule saying that that's the best game Ty Robinson's had. Like, it's going to move him up a, in a big way uh, in the NFL draft, just a game like that. And, you know, fans may be looking at the, the box score and be like, huh, he only had one tackle. But he was so disruptive in a way that doesn't necessarily – show up for him on the stat sheet, but it helped create a lot of opportunities for his other teammates um, who did stand out in a really big way in the stat sheet. So incredible, incredible stuff from him. And uh, I am looking forward to maybe more of that five-man. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it worked really it well. It worked yeah. incredibly well, and it was fun to watch. I think they had like eight sacks. Yep, eight yeah, sacks. It was incredible. Yeah. yeah, and to your point about Robinson, I mean, there are so many times where whether it was him, Hutmaker, you know, any of the guys where just immediately in the rush, you know, they just do one move, you know, swim, rip, pull, whatever they had to do, and they'd be past those linemen in, I mean, a second, like right after the snap count, which that was huge for not giving Northwestern time to throw, and that will be huge against Purdue as well uh, to try and limit that offense. But as we kind of move forward to to the outlook for Nebraska, um, the injuries, this is uh, – is something we've talked about a lot on the pod. There's always been injuries, it seems, every week. Uh, but this is the worst. The worst it has been. Um, this week's update, starting tackle left Corcoran and left guard Ethan Piper both out for the season. Uh, foot surgery for Corcoran and knee surgery for Piper. As well, right guard Nerdin Noli. I'm going to be out a, a week or two. Not sure the exact timeline on that injury. Um, they don't expect it to be season-ending. Um, but he's going to miss a week or two. Wide receiver Billy Kemp. Also out an MCL sprain, he's going to miss multiple weeks. And linebacker Nick Henrich and cornerback Tommy Hill, both a little banged up after that game. But really those season-ending injuries, a wide receiver, that was a spot you couldn't get hurt. I mean, this is this was a tough, tough thing for this Nebraska offense to stomach. Yeah, so Ethan Piper, you know, 
quote, the heart and soul of this team from Matt Rule. And you had um, a lot of praise for, you know, who he is as a person, as a player, as, you know, the, you know, just the face of this program um, from a bunch of other people as well. You lose him and then you lose Billy Kemp, granted not season ending, but with no Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, no Marcus Washington, like the past game had been built around Billy yep. Kemp. And then he goes down on the same play as Ethan Piper, no less. Uh, that image uh, was the lead to my column because it's just like, are you kidding me? Like, how does this keep happening? And then, you know, Turner has been, you know, a, vi- a fixture. Played, he played every snap a fixture, before that point. Yep. Um, for this team and, you know, needs season ending foot surgery. Like, and then we don't know what Nuri's injury is. Uh, but I mean, my God, how can this keep happening? And I asked Matt Rule that on Monday, like, is there a common theme here? Or is it just freak things piling up on top of each other? And, you know, most of the injuries uh, that Nebraska players have sustained this year have been due to contact. So there's nothing you can really do about that. Um, it's just unfortunate. And you hope that this is it. Because I am tired of talking about injuries. Like, I just, it's my, I know it's a part of the game. And I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. I know it's a part of the game, but I hate it. And I'm allowed to hate it. And it sucks. Yeah, it it effect, it especially feels brutal um, when you have a guy like you know to throw it back a little bit like Marcus Washington, who you know that that could be the end of his eligibility. I mean, Billy Kemp, he's a a veteran transfer guy. I mean, this was this was supposed to be a big year for him, you know, to come to Nebraska, and he's going to miss most of it. So, yeah, for 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 guys like that, it just stinks. And for Mir to too, yeah, oh, like, absolutely, yeah. And to your point about the injuries, too, it I think it'd be a different conversation if this was a lot of muscle, you know, non-contact injuries, then you'd be like, well, where's the link and all that? I mean, the fact that, you know, just stuff happens during football games, right? People get ran into, you know, your, Stepped your on, knees get bent the wrong into, way. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's that's kind of what the coaching staff feels has happened so far with, uh, with a lot of those injuries. And of course, um, they got to make adjustments. I mean, you got to keep going with your season. We've, we've heard uh, next man up mentality so many times, of course, with all these injuries. But uh, in particular, the offensive line is going to need it. Uh, the new look O-line that we expect to see, left tackle Teddy Prochaska, Justin Evans-Jenkins at left guard, uh, Ben Scott back at center, Henry Lutovsky at right guard, and Bryce Benhart at right tackle. Um, these guys who are coming in, they have playing experience, and that's going to help. And of course, I think you look at the two guards, Evans-Jenkins, he was a, a good performer there during this camp. Uh, his teammates had a lot of a lot of great things to say about him today, and Lutovsky got a lot of time last year as a, a rotational guard. Yeah, I think that all things considered, it could be worse. So obviously, we'll need to see them out there against a, a defense that you know has a, a defensive mind head coach uh, in this next week. But we'll see how their depth holds up. Um, I think it's good that Ben Scott's injury uh, was not serious because uh, I couldn't imagine. I can't imagine replacing three offensive linemen in one yeah. week, but four would have been enough. Yeah. Way too much. 
And and the fact that they don't have to turn to freshmen right away, that they can keep developing those guys. And at left tackle, having Teddy Prochaska, a real veteran guy who started before, I mean, if you had to go to an inexperienced left tackle against some of these Big Ten edge rushers, I mean, that would that would have been so so detrimental. So. Yeah. And, you know, like, we all have our observations about the pass protection on that left side. Um, there have been some issues there um, over the season. I think that's going to continue to be a, a concern of mine, um, just watching what happens there. Because, um, you know, Heinrich Harburg has taken a few shots lately, some of his own volition. Um some in the pocket. So that's going to be the thing that I'm going to be watching for most when it comes to that specific uh, part of the game is how can they hold up when they've got three new guys in there? Yeah, really, really tough spot spot to block, of course. But uh, well, well, they're given the freshman time to develop there on the offensive line. Uh, that's de- definitely not the case at wide receiver. Uh, the freshmen are playing. They're going to play a lot. And of course, that means uh, Malachi Coleman, he will join Alex Bullock as those kind of two main wide receivers you expect to see out there a lot of the time. But Jaden Doss, he's listed as the uh, starting slot wide receiver uh, this week after Kemp's injury. And the other top two guys there in the pecking order, uh, walk-on, sophomore walk-on Ty Hahn and freshman Jalen Lloyd. Uh, those are the other two guys expected to rotate in. And if you if you thought about the wide receiver situation week one, Compared it to now, you'd be saying, what happened? And, of course, injuries. That's yeah, what happened. injuries. Yeah. If Ty Han does not get a scholarship after this season, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, he has done everything that he can possibly do to help these guys out. Um, big, big special teams player, too. Yes, yep. absolutely. I think he deserves it. Um, he's definitely been thrown into the fire probably a little bit more than he expected, but you know, that's the way the game goes. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see more from him just because yeah. he's bigger target. Like, yep. I feel like they need that kind of body type out there on the field. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, especially when you you lose uh, the veteran guys, mm-hmm. maybe not as big, but still uh, they just know what they're doing and they've been really good targets over the years. So, yeah, got to figure out a way to replace that. Yeah, so they'll be making those adjustments, the O-line and at wide receiver. Uh, but of course, the the challenge will be to take down a Purdue team um, coming to Lincoln this week. And I think they're they're pretty similar to Nebraska in a lot of ways, um, especially I think with their quarterback situation. Hudson Card, been very solid in wins, been a little disappointing in losses. Um, they do run the ball pretty effectively, uh, but they're not a, a super great passing offense. Similar to Nebraska, they don't necessarily have those dynamic targets out there that that you know soak soak things up and the quarterbacks can always turn to so that causes a little bit of trouble and then defensively uh looks very similar ryan walters of course coming from illinois a former defensive coordinator there now the first year head coach Uh, it's looked very similar but the change in personnel i mean they've given up a lot of points in some of their losses that might not be the case against this nebraska team but they've been vulnerable defensively not exactly lit the world on on fire offensively, uh, kind of similar to to Northwestern in that regard. That like yeah, they're they're solid in in these different areas, but they might not have that standout strength. You know, I I expect this to be a, a somewhat similarly ugly game, to be honest. The weather's not going to. Yep. 
<laughs> it's gonna be what forty mid forties is what we're looking at. Yeah. Maybe rainy, windy. Yeah, yeah, I think it's gonna be like a mixture snow rain. Not, not the wintry mix. No. Yeah, the it's wintry coming. mix. Um, Prepare your windshields. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, stock up on uh, the the washer fluid. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, no. But hey, Matt Rule, all for this. They're both for it. That's what he says. I mean. One of my favorite moments of Matt Rule press conference season uh, was, I believe it was the Athletics Mitch Sherman who was asking him about the weather. And Matt has like this smile smirk on his face. He's just nodding. He's like, yeah, let's go. I'm like, yeah, that's that's my one of my favorite yeah. moments. He's ready. He's ready for some football weather. He, <laughs> Philly guy, ready, ready for football weather. Yeah, so conditions conditions could definitely play a factor in this game, which brings us to our Husker hot topic. Um, you know, we expect Nebraska to be a run-based team. Nothing is changing in that regard, but you're still going to need to throw the ball some to win. And so how do we think Nebraska's pass game is going to look this week after all these recent injuries? Yeah, I honestly think the weather is going to play more of a factor in it than the injuries, just because like it could be really gross and ugly out there. Um, I think that the the chemistry that Heinrich and Malachi are building is something to build off of, absolutely. Um, but I don't know how much that gets deployed just because it has the potential to be pretty gross out. Yeah, definitely. I think the formula that they found with like just run Malachi deep and like some of some of the times it's just a decoy, like draw the coverage with him, but you run him deep enough, he's going to break free. And that's going to be tough in a game like this, of course, if it is as windy. Um, I think, obviously, some of these underneath this, these underneath throws, the quick stuff, I think you can expect that to continue. Thomas Fedoni, he's been the target on that underneath stuff, which, of course, got Harburg into a little bit of trouble last week. but Quite a bit of trouble. Yeah. Both, both of <laughs> both, the picks yep. were intended for Fedoni, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. But I think, honestly, I think they're going to go, go right back to it because the reason why he's thrown to Fedoni in those instances is because... You know, Fedoni, he's a big target. You know, you can find those pockets like you need a tight end to do. He likes to throw the sidelines, too, and Fedoni has those breaking routes. So I think we'll see a lot of tight ends is what I'm saying this week. They're going to they're gonna get those jumbo packages out there, you know, run the ball, maybe maybe a little play action when they need to. But, yeah, I would be, I'd be surprised, honestly, if they're over 100, 125 passing yards. Oh, yeah, there's no way. Who do you think, with all of the offensive line injuries, who do you think is their jumbo? Good question. Um, probably Knock, Tyler Knock, I would expect. Because he's he played a little he was listed as tackle coming in. I think they have him as a guard now, but mm -hmm. he's bigger, bigger, taller guy. So Yeah. I was just genuinely yeah. curious. That's a guess. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I'm genuinely <laughs> yeah, curious. Yeah, we'll see. I don't we'll know. We'll see when they line up. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe it'll be or um some I think, two tight end sets. I think that they also mentioned um Gunnar Gatula. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Could, could fill that spot, tackle, tackle depth as well. So yeah. But you don't want him to lose his red shirt either. Nope. So it's four games. All you got. Yeah, it's uh, 3D chess with figuring that one out. I think. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have to do some math and and figure out when to get these guys in, when to sit them. Um, definitely a something for they they gotta have some spreadsheet or some sort of uh Ooh, calculation. Yeah, <laughs> going on. Speaking but, my language. Yep. But uh, game predictions for this one. What do we got? So I went with a really low-scoring game just because I think that it has the potential to be really gross and really ugly. 
very Big Ten West-like. Um, so I have Nebraska 14, Purdue 10. I could see it happening. Definitely the uh, the lack of firepower offensively that we saw last week. I mean, that could that could be very similar. Uh, I'm going to go 21-17, a little more scoring. Uh, but I'm going to say that one of those scores is defense. Ooh, maybe some sort of bold. pick six. Yeah, bold. That's that's what I see happening. Maybe a little a little defensive action coming into. They haven't done it yet this year. They've been they've been eager for it. all these players every week. They're like, ah, gotta get those turnovers. They keep yeah. talking about it. Well, we'll see. Yep the uh, the Nebraska offense they'll need they'll need a little bit of something from their defense. Whether it's just field position, general. You know, keeping the opponents off the scoreboard. I think this is a yet another defense-dominated week, to be sure. Give me that five defensive line front. <laughs> That's right. We'll see. We'll see how often they break it out. Maybe more. Maybe more. Yeah. I have a a high. Uh, I suspect that it would work at a very high clip if they bring it out a lot this week. Yeah, and of course those those passing situations uh, when they will need it. So Purdue coming to town. It's a two thirty kick. Another 2.30 game here in Lincoln. Uh, we'll have all the all the coverage, as always, available to you. Journalstar.com. More updates to come from the team, of course, in these next couple of days as they lead up to that one. Uh, but that's all we've got for this episode of Life in the Red. Appreciate all of you viewers and listeners, as always. We'll see you next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.